0: This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Shnerv, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, soul to so back on your radio here, Erev Shabbos, Kurdish Parshas Nitzavim, on the final Shabbos of the year, Tuf Shin, Pei Aleph, and a very, very warm welcome to all of our radio family. Thank you for taking time on what really is a very busy Erev Shabbos, as we know that we have Shabbos coming up and then not long afterwards we have a big Yontif, the Yontif of Rosh Hashanah uh, approaching and there's lots to do and lots of food to prepare and lots of things to get organized. So we really appreciate taking the time to put on your radio, put on your device and spend a few minutes with us learning about Shabbos, learning about some of the chizuk that we need as we approach Rosh Hashanah and, and how we need to. Be someone who serves our Kaddish Hu with the greatest, with the greatest joy. The Ta'ra says in this week's Vachem, Perhaps there's amongst you, Shairish, a root, Paira Reish Vilana, which is flourishing with, and it says, Gaul and Wormwood. Now I don't even know what these things are, but what, what is even the meaning of, of these terms? So, we know. God forbid, someone who's a sinner—that's an evil person—and the Torah is speaking here about a person who doesn't see the evil that he perpetrates. Such an individual says to himself, "Shalom Yeli, peace will be with me." In other words, he agrees that there are others in the world who are bad people. But not me, I'm not one of them, I'm one of the good ones. And he has the the chutzpah, the audacity, to kind of bless themselves and contend that they deserve lots and lots of blessings in their lives. Apparently there's quite a wide gap between the reality and this person's perception of, of himself and his actions there's the person who thinks that he is good, but actually, he's a root flourishing with gold and wormwood. Today, it's only a root, but soon it's going to become a full-fledged evil. In many ways, such a person presents a greater danger to himself and others. Horeb Moshe Feinstein explains the entire year is referring to the man who there's a shame of mitzvahs. He's observant. Who performs mitzvahs, despite the great difficulty involved. Who feels, therefore, that he deserves great rewards for being moist and lavish, for going out of his way. For Hashem. He goes to a minion every single day. Boy, boy, does he make sure everybody knows about it. and makes a big deal out of it. Rather than serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu with excitement and joy, it becomes... A drag about which he's always complaining. This person might remain observant throughout his entire life, carrying on all of Hashem's commands. But his negative attitudes will ruin his ability to transmit his observance to the next generation. His children will just see his negativity his bitterness. Not everyone has the capacity to overpower his Yetzirah, to avoid such a heavy burden. His children might not be disciplined and obedient enough to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu under such difficult conditions. People have to realize and acknowledge and express the joy inherent in serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Otherwise, They become the root flourishing with gall and wormwood. That in the next generation will unfortunately manifest itself in an overly evil and sinful manner. If a parent sits by the Shabbos table lamenting how hard a week he is and, and how much money he's losing by not working on Shabbos, he is sowing the seeds of discontent within his children. The father who openly and actively expresses his joy in being able to serve Hashem, however, will reap the nachas, the spiritual pleasure of watching his future offspring express a similar, a similar uh, 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 love and joy for our Kaddish Baruch. Lev myshleiv who was such a, a, a person, who had such a love of. Of uh, of mitzvahs and he had such a love for all of, of 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 Jews and he he said it the following the following way he said how fortunate are the poor who must trust in Hashem right? it's the rich who should be pitied because they think their security is in their wealth he was wont to say simcha joy is far superior. To tears, praying to Hashem with effusive joy and excitement supersedes bewailing and all types of emotion. In fact, teaches us that even when all the heavenly gates are closed and prayer cannot penetrate them, the gates of tears are, are never shut. Joy, however is more powerful than tears because whereas tears require an open gate joy is able to penetrate even ones that are totally closed. Rosh Hashanah is a time of din, it's a time of judgment, but let's not forget that we serve our Kodesh Baruch Hu as loyal servants and we love the privilege of doing so. One one point nine Fem, Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. <music> This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnerb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM, soul to soul, on the radio here, Erev Shabbos Kadesh Pasha's Nitzavim, the ultimate Shabbos of this year, Tafshin Pe' Aleph. A warm welcome to everyone. Thank you for taking time to join us and be inspired and learn and grow and get ready for this beautiful, beautiful Shabbos. So listen to Apostle, Apostle, and this Pasha says, the Shav Hashem Lakha Hashem will bring back Es Shavuscha, your captivity. And Rashi actually comments on this Pasuk, a Hazal derived from here, that the Shekhinah also is in Golas, that the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, resides amongst Kaishra when they are in, in exile. In other words, why does the Torah use a very interesting word of Shavuscha, your captivity? Why doesn't it use the normal, the more practical kind of word, Galuscha, your, your exile? And what's it referring to? So Ravleza Brody just suggests that Shavuscha refers to a specific exile, and that is those people who we call A tinek shenishba, a child literally taken captive. In our modern day vernacular, this refers to the assimilated Jew who never had a chance to learn about the beauty of Yiddishkeit and all of its myriad observances, who has been, so to speak, taken captive by the culture In which he was raised. Without the opportunity to learn Torah and to learn about Yiddishkeit, one is no different from the child taken captive by, by non-Jews who raised him as, as a non-Jew. And the Rambam rules that such a person is not held accountable for his lack of observance because how could he, how could he do better? He doesn't, he doesn't know any, any better. In a well-known commentary, Rambam rules regarding the children of the Kirayim, which was a secretarian group who misled their children with regard to to Jewish religious observances. And and he considers these children to be no different than a child taken captive by them and, and reared in their misguided ways. This child is comparable to someone who has been coerced to violate and go against the Torah. It's thus proper to to uh, sort of catalyze their return to religious observance and and to draw them back with words of of peace. Most of the paiskim have applied Rambam's ruling to all types of contemporary Jews who have been educated in a a secular or agnostic type of environment. We have to reach out to them, right? Taking into consideration that they are essentially blameless for their present state of non-observance. The above pasuk addresses these Types of children will be called the Snakes Shabes raban, assuring them that A Kadashborhu has not only not rejected them, but that he is with them and will awaken within their hearts a desire to return home, to become observant and to live as a Jew should live. In in his commentary to the last Pasuk in Pasha's Kidashim. So the the uh, parsha, which of course uh, begins with a call for all yidin, shim, to you to be holy, not just good people, but we have to strive for holiness and kind of within the prohibition against consulting all kinds of magic and and, and sorcerers, right? As which is which is a oiv uh, uh, and and yedani, and he says that this sin symbolizes the chasm that exists between Klal Yisrael and the nations of the world. When we serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu properly, we will warrant the privilege of guidance by Nevi by prophets. And therefore, we don't require the services of, of magicians to foretell what lays in the future. In other words, it's all about our Messiah, our tradition of transmitting Torah from one generation to, to the next. During most of our history as a nation, the Jewish people were all observant. We have been victim throughout the ages to, unfortunately, people who are all types of false messiahs and who have attempted to kind of disconnect our relationship and several our, our tie with the past. And the latest such uh, falsehood was of course the Enlightenment, which was the the precursor of the various secular groups that uh, kind of uh, you know, kind of metamorphized from from it, each one kind of preaching some type of break with the sorry with the past. And unfortunately, all the hapless victims of these of these movements are in the category of Shabbat. And Off offers kind of an inspiring and, and, and meaningful martial analogy of a man who was shipwrecked on a far-off island with no one to talk to. He began to raise kittens as a pastime to occupy himself they benefited him by addressing the growing mice population on the on the island all day his cats right who were no longer uh, kittens would chase the mice one day a beautiful golden kitten appeared on the on the uh, private island right well at least it looked like a kitten, despite the fact that it was actually a baby lion, as far as the man was concerned, he had one more cat to to you know uh, 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 to 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 use against the the mouse population. So the baby lion grew into adulthood amongst all these feline cousins. It lived. With them and did everything like a cat despite its inordinate size and and tremendous, tremendous strength. One day a fishing boat wandered onto the island and the fisherman alighted his boat. The man with his man with his many cats and one lion greeted him. The fisherman was interested in a tour of the island. Which the man was happy to, to provide. When the fisherman saw the lion frolicking with the cats, he was shocked. How could the king of beasts spend his day chasing mice? He spoke to the man who had raised the lion. Do you know that in your litter you have a lion? Absolutely not. He replied that it was a large cat. It acted like a cat in every manner. It just happened to be much larger than the other cats. But what difference exists between a large cat and a small cat? A cat is a cat. A few days passed, and the fisherman was rested and ready to leave the island. It was late at night as he went to the cat shelter where all the cats were kept. He motioned to the lion to come with him. The lion, unfortunately, having been treated as a cat for so long, had developed a cat mentality and was afraid to leave. After some coaxing, the fisherman convinced the lion to leave with him. Once the fisherman arrived home, he encouraged the lion to run and roam on his land. As the lion's strength increased, his fear mentality decreased until he understood and acted like the lion that he really was. The nimshal, of course, is obvious. We act in accord with the environment in which we are raised. When we spend our days in pursuit of trivialities, much like the cats chasing mice, then we will become trivial people whose purpose in life is self-gratification with material pursuits and pleasures. We will have neither the desire nor the mental stamina required for spiritual ascendancy. We are lions. We are benay malachim. We are princes of a noble, illustrious heritage that heralds back all the way to our other Sakodesh, right to our other Yankov. Hashem will return the captivity those Jews whose connection to our has been severed by the misguided Jews who thought they were saving Jews from Judaism by offering a more enlightened and progressive outlook on life and living. How wrong they were exchanging the blessings of eternity and morality for a putrid bowl of red lentils. They would rather be like cats who chase mice all day than be like lions, kings and rulers over themselves and in the world. This is 101.9 one High FM, Soul to Soul. We'll be back with much more in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb only on 101.9 High FM. 41.9, Chai FM, soul to soul back on your radio here, Shabbos, Kedesh, Parshas, Nitzavim, the ultimate and final Shabbos of year Tafshin Pei Aleph. We are about three days away from Rosh Hashanah and the beginning of the new year of Tafshin Pei Bays, and we have a Kriya Satayra that is tailor-made to prepare us and get us ready and root us for the experience of Rosh Hashanah, atem nitzavim hayom kuchem. You are standing today, hayom, all of you, dufne Hashem nakechem before Hashem your God, rosh shechem. Your leaders, shivtechem of your shvatim, your elders, shatrechem the people in charge of law enforcement, kol ishishol, the entire Jewish nation the children, your wives, even the converts in your camp, even those who are woodchoppers, up to and including people who draw water. And the purpose of this gathering today is to pass you through and get you to join the covenant of Hashem. Which Hashem is, is, uh, embarking on today. This, this, this tree. Fantastically powerful pasuk. Says the Arachayim HaKadosh, We have to understand what's the purpose of this statement of the Torah. And furthermore, why do we have to detail? your leaders, your zikenim, this one, that one, your children. Why isn't it just enough to say, All of you are here. We know who all of you is. Thirdly, we have to understand, what is this bris that Hashem is getting us to sign on to? We're going to see in just a little bit of time, we just had, it says, these are the words of the bris. And if I could wanted to include what is said also in this week's pasha, you we already made a bris at the end of last week's pasha. If Hashem wanted to include what's happening now in that bris, so then it should have brought this pasha before that concluding phrase that these are the words of the of, of the bris. He says it would appear that Moshe's intention in this bridge was to create the situation of interpersonal relationship and responsibility one for the other in order that every single Jew should make the supreme effort for his fellow Jew that no one else should fall into the situation of violating the word of Hashem. And we should take responsibility and look out for one another. And he says, the, the aid, on the the trusty witness, what Hashem said, <speaking in Hebrew> okay, the hidden things that Hashem knows. And we know the things that are revealed, we know about. So, the Torah itself talks about this kind of responsibility. And this isn't the same bris that we spoke about at the end of last week's Pasha. Because that bris was to look after myself, to take responsibility for my own actions. And this is broadening that no longer am I just responsible for myself but I have a responsibility also for my fellow Jew as much as I have that ability. So says the Arachayim So we see from this Arachayim HaKadosh that the Brist that's being entered into here is coming to create a new existence for the Jewish nation, that not only that every single person is, is required to be so careful and so adamant on his own actions, on his own private life, not to violate Hashem's covenant. But even furthermore, we are responsible on every other member of the Jewish nation that each and every one of them should do their utmost to keep the entire Torah. And the Maral actually speaks about this in Nesivas in oilam, And he says that this concept of interpersonal responsibility Emanates from the fact that, as we understand, all of the Jewish nation is one body, and that's something that is unique to Klal Yisrael, and and especially takes effect now as the Jewish nation is about to enter Eretz Yisrael. And he says. Every single Jew is responsible for his fellow Jew because they're all one nation, which is something we don't find by any other nation. No other nation is one unified being. It's all individuals, as in fact the Jews are. And we're all compared to like one body. That if you have a wound in one of your limbs, so you feel it all over your body because we're all one goof. And if one Jew, Chas shalom does an Aveira, so there's an effect with that with that sin, on the entire Jewish nation. Because we're all like one human being. Because we're one nation. And if you therefore have the potential and the ability to stop And arrest someone from doing an Aveira. So that responsibility is yours. And if you don't, the entire generation is held responsible for that because it's like, you know, it's like a limb of the body. It's like your head. It's like your heart. And if uh, one limb of your body is not acting uh, properly, or doing something that doesn't act in sync with the rest of the of the body, then that endangers the entire the entire body. And if 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 someone does something to one area of his body that causes it to malfunction, then he takes responsibility for the entire situation that the whole body finds itself in, and 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 uh, takes responsibility. For God forbid if that body is no longer able to function. And therefore anyone who has the ability to stop someone else from doing an Aveira and stands by and feels, who am I to say something and, and just lets them do it. So you are held responsible for that sin because you had the ability to protest and in fact, why? Why didn't you? In fact, the Gemara in Shabbos says on Nundale that someone who has the ability to stop someone else, let's say of his own family members, that we well, there we have some control. If you see someone your own family about to do an Havera and you don't protest, so you are not held responsible for all the sins of your of your family. If you have the ability to stop your the members of your city from doing an Havera, you are held responsible for all the areas of the whole city if you have the ability to stop the a, a some kind of terrible terrible uh, dereliction that's happening on the national level and you do nothing about it you take responsibility on that on, on that level that's a very very scary thing that that's but that's what belonging to Clients or belonging to one nation is all, is all about that we have that kind of a responsibility to look after and to be involved with every single, every single person that, uh, that exists. That is the, the end of the, of the quote from the, 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 the Mara. He writes elsewhere in, 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 uh, in, in the Siv Asylum that when Klai Yisrael went into Eretz Yisrael, so they were one complete unified nation. The proof of that is, so long as Klai Yisrael hadn't yet crossed the Jordan River and hadn't yet come to Eretz Yisrael, so they weren't punished for those Averis that there was no way they could have known about. But only when they crossed the Yardin, then they became... Completely responsible one for another, right? And that's, that kind of joint responsibility only came into effect when they came to Eretz Shah. We are called our raven. We are called guarantors for other Jews. And, but we didn't reach that level of unity of, of connection until they came to Eretz Yisrael and they were all together. In Eretz and had one place, which is Eretz Isho, and through that land, through the unifying land that we lived in, that caused us to achieve this high degree of, of oneness. And that's why it says, I'm going to be all of your God because you are all now one, one nation. So we see from all of this, and the whole, of what we've discussed until now, that Pashas Nitzavim created a completely new situation in the very essence of Klai That until this point, Klai there were 600,000 individuals, separate each from each other, each one we were we, we were we were joined. We had a union card, we were all part of one nation. But now we uh, the whole situation has changed and now we're all literally gufeod, we're all one body to such an extent that someone can be responsible for another person's average. And we gotta understand that this concept of responsibility isn't only to take responsibility for the avarice of another person but on the contrary more more powerfully it works to our benefit as the major shankhuma says even though i've appointed leaders and elders and law enforcers right all of you are equal in front of me says Kodesh Baruch Hu. All of you are responsible one for the other. Even a tzaddik amongst you, all of you exist in his merit. And not only you, but even one tzaddik amongst you has the ability to keep the entire world going. The entire world can stand in his, in his uh, merit. In fact, the, uh, the Imre Pinchas says when a person, even though he might think that I'm an absolute nothing, right? And even if you, uh, aren't, let's say, living up to your own, uh, uh, potential and you're not that careful about what you do, still, if there's a tzaddik amongst, amongst you, does that, does that 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 person can then positively affect and change what and who you are, and 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 that's such an important thing on on uh, on Rosh Hashanah that even one person who is uh, 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 so great that the entire generation can be credited, can be uplifted because of of who of who he is. Right, um, the, and and that that's that's an incredibly empowering thing. Yes, we take responsibility if someone does something wrong, but we also benefit from all the good things that every single person in the world in the world does, because that all gets fed into the totality of what of what the Jewish of what the Jewish nation of what the Jewish nation is and how how important. That uh, that actually that actually is, and if one person, same way, as if someone does navera so the whole generation is <clears throat> is punished. But we know that God's mida of goodness is so much greater than God's mida of of a uh, of punishment, and therefore, if one person does something good, the entire nation. Gets credit for not only the great people, all the rank and file Jews are upgraded and, and given deluxe treatment because of the mitzvahs and, and the zacharias of even one, of even one person. So it comes out of this. There's this tremendous, tremendous, tremendous power in all of Kleist. So they were literally like one body. And therefore we have to be so careful not to in any way damage this tremendous, tremendous unity. And if one person falls off the wagon and and does Averis, so he's not just doing private sins, but this somehow damages the entire structure of of Kli And That's the Rabba brings in the name of Rav Shimon Yochai. It's comparable to, to the people that were sitting. In the ship, and one of them takes a shovel and begins to drill a hole under his berth. And his friend says to him, What are you doing? So he said, No, what is matter to you? Well, I'm doing is I'm making a hole under my berth. They said an idiot. When the water comes in, it's gonna drown us. It's gonna drown us all. So from here we have to understand. The tremendous responsibility that is incumbent on every single one of the Jewish, of the Jewish nation. Even the smallest person takes, has taken the responsibility of the entire Jewish nation on his shoulders. And everything he does has tremendous influence on the entire superstructure called the Jewish nation. And that's why the Torah counts 10 different levels of Jewish nation, your leaders, your your shvatim, your tribes, your elders, your law enforcers, all the Jewish people, your children, number seven, your wives, number eight, the galim, number nine, the woodchopper, number ten, the the water the water carrier, right? And we know that that uh, completion is always a unit of. Of of ten it contains ten ten details, and the Torah uh, uh, details for us that this interresponsibility happens be, between kulam all of us. Not only the, does the great person have a, a, a Hashba an influence on the small person, but even the very very small person has a tremendous influence on on the great person. And it, everything happens as one reality. And therefore we have to make an effort to elevate ourselves from our own small mindedness and our own kind of a lack of stature and our own sort of modesty, be it false or, or not that we think that we are nothing and we can't make a difference. And we just kind of ended up in this world. By, by mistake and it doesn't make a difference what I do. I'm completely extraneous to the greater picture. Right? You cannot say things like that because that is in fact all the claims of of the of the Yetzara that he wants to weaken the immense power or the awesome power that every single Jew has to influence the world the world at large. And that is such and such an idea. As we go into Rosh Hashanah. And of course we take stock of ourselves. We take stock of what we've done. We take stock of where we'd like to improve. We take stock of what we think we can achieve. But at the end of the day. We have to realize that we are part of this immense unit. Called And when we stand on Rosh Hashanah night in front of our Kodesh Baruch Hu, and we say ten Hashem, we want so much that your power and your awesomeness and your dominion should be witnessed by the whole world. What we're really saying is that the whole world should witness the incredible relationship that exists between Hashem and the entire Jewish nation, and how each and every one of us is completely interrelated, is completely dependent on each other Jew, and all of that feeds back to our Kodesh Baruch Hu. And if we realize that sense of unity, if we realize that sense of of belonging, then it's not just kind of me against the great forces of the world trying to see if I can manage to kind of sort of to give me another year. It's much greater than me. I have a role to play in this huge massive unit called Klyhow, and i'm telling god i i I got a job to do. I may be a very, very small cog I may be one neuron in 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 the teeniest cell, but I'm part of it, and without me, it cannot exist I'm needed by the team, and I want to contribute. And Bez Hashem, if we do that, we can all be Zoicha, to a Ksivah Hasim to all have our, our, our role, have our part, have our contribution to make to the entire Jewish nation. This is 101.9 High FM, the program is Soul to Soul, and we'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnerb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9, Chai FM, Soul to Soul, back on your radio here, Erev Shabbos Kedesh, Pashas Sovim, the last Erev Shabbos of the year, Tav Pe Pei Aleph, and it's such an honor and a privilege to have all of you on the air with us together listening to our show, we really appreciate your your presence, and Bez Hashem, Hashem should give us the bracha that we should be able to carry on Learning together and growing together in the year Tavshin Pei Bay is starting Mezuzah next next Friday, as we always do at this time in the show to go through the important times, deadlines, and uh, information that you are going to need for this Shabbos. Because otherwise, you can't really do right if you don't know what what to do and when to when to do it. So, of course, we start as we always do with. The earliest candle lighting time for today—the time you can really get things up—and that already is at four forty-three, seventy minutes before five—is the earliest time to get your candles going and to get the Shabbos atmosphere alive and well in your in your home. Remember, this is the last Shabbos of the year, and as we know, the last week of the year can be a tikkun. can somehow augment and fix up and correct all the mistakes you've made in previous weeks so even if many other weeks you've kind of run around and chased the clock and the clock has chased you and and you've kind of looked at the time the earliest time well that's forget it and you get to the the, the, the latest time for lighting candles and you're racing to reach that. Let's try. Last Shabbos. Let's make a tick one and let's try to really this week get ready early and set 4.43 is the earliest time we can light those candles. Let's, let's make a big effort to, to get there. The latest possible time for lift benching today is at 5.38, 22 minutes before 6. Is the latest time? Please, please, please. Let's at least try to get maybe five minutes before that, so we can sort of, by the time five thirty it comes, we can sit down and take a deep breath and say, ah, Bo Shabbos, Bo Shabbos has come. Let's sit and 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 relax. And and it's been a hectic week getting ready for Yom Tov and everything. Let's really enjoy the the the, the Shabbos. Shkia then is at five fifty six, four minutes before six o'clock. So if you really want to uh, uh, make sure that you dive in Meyeriv, uh at night and not have to repeat the Krishna, so that would take you to 6.14. 14 minutes past 6, you can dive in Meyeriv. Obviously, go to shul. And we really, really, really are encouraging people to go to shul. The medical experts are saying that shul is actually the safest place to be. It's uh, safer than... Being in shopping centers or restaurants or or sort of socializing with your friends, we don't have any evidence of any cases of COVID in the last eighteen months that have happened in a shul, and therefore, please, if you're able to, this Shabbos, and then getting ready for for Yom getting 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 uh, getting our act together so we can be part of the community, we can be part of the Kehillah and and uh, and you know enjoy. What, what being part of a community has to offer us in terms of helping us in our dominating, helping us in our ruchnius, raising our level and just being part of things. We've been so cut off and so kind of you know, secluded in our homes and into our own lives. We need to be able to socialize. We need to be able to see people, interact with people. And especially Rosh Hashanah is all about our good achas, all about becoming one union, one entity to serve our Kaddish Baruch Hu. let's make it something special, this, this, uh, this, this Rosh Hashanah. Tomorrow morning is, we're gonna be laning Pashas Nitzavim. It's a very, very short Pasha. Don't breathe too deeply. You might miss the entire laning. It's all of 40, 40 psukim. Uh, I was, I was, uh, I have this feeling that somehow Kurdish Barucho has ca- compassion on us. He knows, gee, you're gonna, you guys are going to be spending so much time in shul over the next few weeks, you know, Rosh Hashanah, So he gives us some really nice short parshish around Rosh Hashanah time just to give us at least a Shabbos. You can do, oh, we can really finish this, you know, we can sort of ace this davening in, I don't know, less than two hours or something like that and get out early sort of just to just to compensate, I don't know, I have no idea if that's any validity in half theory, but it sounds, it sounds, uh, it sounds good. And we're going to be doing the last of the seven special Haftoros, which begins with the word, sais I will rejoice with our Godish Baruch Hu, which is such an important component as we prepare for Rosh Hashanah. It's about Simcha. Yes, yes, there's trepidation. Yes, there's fear. Yes, there's awe and dread. Of Hakadosh Baruch and His judgment, but it's got to be done with It's got to be done with the innate feeling of, of of joy that that a yid has to have all all the time. Tomorrow afternoon is our last time we get a chance this half a year to get involved in Pirkei Avos. We're going to be uh, reading Perak Hay and Vov five and six, the last two, last two prokim, just to finish it, finish it off. Shabbos Kodesh ends. Tomorrow night at twenty eight minutes past six. Six twenty eight is the end of uh, of, of Shabbos, and uh, we don't say V'noyim at Maya, because this week is is Yom In fact, we're not going to say V'noyim for the next four. Uh, um, um it's say because we have, you know, this week is uh, Shal next week we're Then the following week is the first days of Sukkot, and the, the week after that is Shemini Atzeres So we're going to skip it for the next four weeks, and then we get back. We have one more day of of Avslecha, Sunday, and then Monday, of course, is Erev. Erev yontev, Erev Rosh Hashanah. And let's talk perhaps a little bit about some of the things that are relevant to Erev Rosh Hashanah. I'm talking specifically about the minhagim that exists on Rosh Hashanah. Firstly, we know there's a meaning, the Shulchanan brings it down. There's a custom to fast, uh, at least some of the day, on Rosh Hashanah, not the whole day, because I'll specifically say one should not fast the whole day because we don't want to be in a state of absolute exhaustion and, and famished, famishness. When we get to davening mayab, we want to have some kayaks to daven the first mayab of the year properly, but uh, 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 we we uh, we fast. And the question is, is a person, let's say, who was accustomed to fasting every single of Rosh Hashanah for many years and now let's say unfortunately he's uh not so robust as as he once as he once uh, uh, was so is he still obligated to continue fasting even though he may not be in the same state of health and obviously if he's if he's not feeling well so then of course he's exempt from fasting on on erev shushan um and uh, and one should actually mention that to the, to the members of the, of the court who are going to generally annul his vows on, on every We're going to talk about a Tars and in a, in a moment. So you should actually mention that, that custom, that custom also. So of course we know the Shulchan Aruch writes that it's become customary to fast, usually until Katsais, until midday. As I said, not, not the entire not the entire day. And once ratz arrives there's no requirement to daven mincha first, right? You can break have, have your breakfast, lunch, whatever you want to call it, and then daven mincha uh just before yom starts as we normally as we normally uh, 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 do uh on eruv Hashanah. and many uh men especially uh during their younger years kind of take on this this minute but as they get a little bit older they find it difficult to maintain it as they get more mature and the process of giving up fasting on Erba HaShoshana depends on how the custom was adopted originally there are three possible scenarios number one if the custom was accepted initially as a lifelong commitment, then, one has to then, do our Torah and one has to annul, one's vow, in front of a Bezin, and say, look, if I had known that, it was going to become so difficult to fast now, I wouldn't have done it in such a way, and then the Bezin can annul your vow. Number two, if the custom, was accepted initially, on a kind of year, by year basis, so then, no hatoras Snedorim is uh, is needed uh, uh, if you now want to want to uh, stop fasting. If the custom was accepted initially, without even sort of specifying whether whether you're going to do it, for, you know what what the length of the time of the commitment was, then one follows the general rule that any proper custom which was accepted without a saying, believe neder, that this should not become some kind of a promise, so then automatically becomes like a neder, like a promise, and cannot be dropped without hatoras as neder. Now the truth is, this this halachic uh, uh, problem is not actually unique. To the custom of fasting ere Rosh Hashanah, it refers. It actually refers to any proper minug one accepted and followed. So anything like that cannot be dropped without undergoing hataras People who adopt even kind of simple customs, which they are not really obligated to practice, let's say, for example. Uh, saying a certain amount of Tehillim every every day, or even possibly something like a set seder, possibly even uh, uh, learning learning daf yomi. In fact, Rabbi Shapiro remains undecided as to whether may one may switch his uh, his let's say his Shadi schedule from from the study of of daf of daf yomi. Some rule that one who switches from studying, let's say, daf to studying uh, practical halacha, so that doesn't need uh Ataras since he's actually perhaps perhaps raising his level of of learning, and that's that's a good thing. That won't require a So any kind of positive custom that one keeps requires. Uh, 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 it's not simple to change it at all. We're going to come back in a moment with some final words. This is 101.9 High FM and the program is Soul to Soul on the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM Soul to Soul back on your radio here as we close off our show, our last show for the year of Shin Pei Aleph, and thank you all for being us. We're talking about some of the things relevant to Erev Rosh Hashanah, and one of the minhagim of Erev Shanah is HaToras Nidorim, annulment of, of vows. And any adult male can be a member of the court, even if he's actually related to either the other members on the court or to the person, the petitioner, the person who's doing that Toras And these three judges suffice for Hattaristan Dharam, some say you should have 10 or 11, but it's become customary to have, to have a, a 3. Now, Hattaristan Dharam on Air Rosh Hashanah, even for men, is a custom, not an obligation. It was never customary for women to annul their vows on Air Rosh Hashanah, and there is therefore no compelling reason to begin such a custom now. Many men, are accustomed to include their wife's vows at the time that they annul their own. Lechatkila. A wife should appoint her husband to be her shaliach, her emissary for annulling her vows. If however she forgot to do so, her husband may still annul the vows for her without being expressly appointed as her shaliach as long as he is absolutely certainly sure that she wants him. To annul her vows for her. A married woman who has a specific vow that she must annul and doesn't wish to ask her husband to be her emissary should do so in front of a bezin of three judges. And although her father and brother or any other relative can be a member of that bezin, the husband may not. A daughter cannot appoint her father or anyone else to petition the court on her behalf. For the annulment to be valid, the petitioner and the members of the court must understand exactly what is being said. A person who does not understand the published Hebrew text should annul his vows in his native language. Children under bar mitzvah that, uh, uh, don't have to perform HaTorah That about Ends the time we have together, and it really just gives me a moment to wish each and every one of our family, first, a very, very good Shabbos, a warm, beautiful Shabbos, and then, to each and every one of you, may Hashem grant us all a year full of all the good things you want, full of happiness, full of success in every area, full of panasa, full of health, full of uh, a, a simchas and last and not least full of all kinds of shalom per, peace internal external within the individual, within the family within the community and within all of Kalei Sho we can all be zayachet together to a good gebench to your, a yore finally where we will march together to greet the heralding of the Mashiach that's going to come. Beis Hashem, the Meher of Yomenu. Thank you for being part of our radio family. Thank you so much for listening, and to each and every one of you, a good kevins to your and more, more immediately, a wonderful good Shabbos.